Greetings, gentle listeners. If you enjoy this podcast, you may also like Brosé, a mirthy talk show starring four bros who sip wine and consider questions submitted by you, the audience, about current events, pop culture, and which Muppet you should get tattooed on your back. Subscribe to Brosé wherever you get your podcasts. That's B-R-O-S-E. Brosé, the podcast for those who drink rosé. What does the Gettier problem have to do with True Detective? How long could you live without a butthole? Was 90s rapper Vanilla Ice secretly made out of plastic? When will there be an eco-friendly way to buy trash food from a clown? A new podcast shopping network product? What's the poop? The answers to these questions, plus sports, emotional weather, and state up, that's tonight on Person in Person. Good evening, wherever you are, whoever you are, and welcome to Person in Person. I'm Gene Person. And I'm Greg Person. No relation. Person in Person is a news show for people who don't like news shows by people who don't like news shows. That's right. Now, did you do anything uh, interesting this past weekend, Gene? Well, Father's Day was this last Sunday, and uh, we celebrated. Gil made me a really nice frittata, and we all dug in on that. It was super, super tasty. I love a frittata. What was in that bad boy? Oh, we had uh, bell peppers and onion and tomato, and we topped it with salsa. It was it was a, a taste treat is what it was. Nice. Was it, uh, and, and she did kind of a, a, a faux crust of hash browns. It was, oh, God, ooh, it was so good. That's yeah. an idea. Yeah, it was that, super good. I might have to try that. Now, do you have to... Uh, fry up the hash browns first and scatter them down in the pan, or do you cook them with the frittata? That's a question for Gil. I did not make it. It was Father's Day. Fair enough. Um, I, uh, oh, go ahead. I do want to wish all the dads out there a happy belated Father's Day. Uh, being a father, at least a good one, means letting go of a lot of social programming. And those who do the job are often rewarded by society at large with ridicule at worst, misunderstanding at best. But stay true to the goal, Dad. It's not society that rewards you. It's that kid. Or those kids. Or somebody else's kids. Maybe you're one of them uh, stepdads I've been hearing about. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, went out to my dad's place for a barbecue and Mm -hmm. uh, had him cook me up some faux chicken burgers, which he absolutely hated the idea of. Oh, yeah. He's one of those people. He hates the idea of basically ever eating a vegetable on principle. Right. He right. believes that if you if you eat anything green, you are effeminate. So he was he was afraid that someone would jump out of a bush and accuse him of cook, cooking a non meat product. And uh, but it all worked out fine. The burgers were actually hugely tasty on the grill, mm-hmm. and uh, we had a good time overall. Let's get into tonight's story beats. Alberto Sanchez Gomez of Spain was recently sentenced to 15 years in prison for killing his mother and eating her. He described her as very judgmental and a little gamey. (laughs) Jesus. America's conservative Catholic bishops passed a resolution this week denying President Joe... What is that? Pantene? Biden, a Catholic, 
the right of communion due to his administration's pro-choice stance. So if he wants to eat that sweet, sweet flesh of the Lord, he's going to need to find another reasonable facsimile. In other news, Joe Biden has announced a surprise visit next week to somewhere in Spain for, quote, high-level meetings, top-shelf stuff, definitely not cannibalism. Oregon has become the third state to legalize human composting, which turns the body into nutrient-rich soil. Alberto Sanchez Gomez was heard to remark, well, shit. (laughs) The new Delta variant of COVID-19 seems to be spreading wildly in the Midwest, particularly in red states that have low vaccination rates. Like the airline it's named after, Delta is getting too big to fail and is being bailed out by the actions of conservatives and the inaction of liberals. Unlike the airline, the virus is proving to be reliable. And it won't lose your bags. It but might you lose will your bags. Lose your lungs. <laughs> right. Jeff Bezos will kind of sort of be going into space soon, and thousands of people have signed a petition to keep him there. Unrelatedly, I would like to recommend the academic paper entitled Black Market Prices for Man Portable Air Defense Systems. Shoulder-mounted surface-to-air missiles don't cost as much as you would think. It's interesting that we have all these petitions regarding Jeff Bezos all of a sudden. I mean, they don't... Those 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 petitions don't even work with politicians. Why would they work with a billionaire? Well, no, it's it's performance art. It's a bunch oh, of people. Right. It's a bunch of people saying, "Hey, Jeff Bezos, we don't like you." Guess what, folks? He doesn't give a single shit. He doesn't no, even he doesn't. know. Authorities in Manitoba ended a days-long hunt for an escaped white snake after capturing the animal some 650 feet from where it was first spotted. When asked for comment, the reptile replied, I don't know where I'm going, but I sure know where I've been. Hanging on the promises in the songs of yesterday. And I've made up my mind. I ain't wasting no more time. He must have been easy to find. Though I keep searching for an answer, (laughs) I never seem to find what I'm looking for. Oh, Lord, I pray you give me strength to carry on. I was going to say. Because I know what it means. (laughs) (laughs) I love a good interrupting cow. Yeah, I mean, that was the whole point of that joke. Super good. Um, I am officially done with that bit. If you wanted to add to it. I don't know. I don't know if I trust you. Well, I was just going to say he would have been easy to find because he was walking down the only road he's ever known. Right. Right. All right. Enough about the news. Let's move on to main news. So let's talk True Detective, the smash hit HBO series that shouldn't have been, especially as the seasons carried on. The brainchild of novelist Nick Pizzolatto, True Detective combined elements of noir with weird fiction and philosophy to produce a soup that was not only tasty, it sold like crazy. While a lot of the praise has been heaped on to Pizzolatto for the writing, I'm not 100% sure it's entirely deserved. It is well written, don't get me wrong. The Rust Cole dialogue in particular is luxurious and beautiful. How much of that is the writing and how much is the skill of the actors attached to the project? I don't know. Without question, McConaughey and Harrelson were perfectly cast. I think the singular artistic vision of the director Kerry Fukunaga is a component in the delicious flavor of that soup as well. Whatever the mix, it was right in season one. A little off in season two when the cast changed and uh, Fukunaga was no longer attached. And significantly better than two, but not quite as good as one in season three. The first season of True Detective is profoundly good, though. 
and none of those attached, including Nick Pizzolatto, should feel I'm attacking this masterpiece in any way. It was a moment in prestige TV that became something else. Perhaps novel-like, but even more elevated than that. It's probably the best miniseries drama I have ever seen or ever will see. But what does that have to do with... The Gettier Problem. Now, for a little bit of background, uh, ever since Plato, knowledge was defined as justified true belief. If you believe something, and it's true, and you have a decent reason for believing it, that is knowledge. You know that. But then, fast forward to the 20th century, American philosopher Edmund Gettier, who was always getting hassled about publishing something, you know, he didn't really want to publish, and they told him, listen, bud, just publish something, we'll get off your ass about it. He writes a three-page paper that mm -hmm. upends 24 centuries of epistemology. Because he shows in this paper that there are cases in which you can believe something that happens to be true with a reasonable justification, which un unbeknownst to you is nevertheless faulty, so it's not correct to say that you know it. Uh, if I can give you an example, Gene. Sure. Uh, this is close to the one that uh, he uses in his paper. You're uh, in a, a little farm community, and there's a lot of beautiful, picturesque old barns in this community. Mm -hmm. And new people move in, and they love the look of these antique barns. So they have structures built on their property that look like antique barns, but of course are not. So in this community at this point, it's about 50-50 between real antique barns and fake antique barns. And a traveler's coming through, and he sees a barn, and he says, Oh, what a lovely antique barn. Now, he happens to be right, but he could have been wrong. So mm -hmm. he didn't know that it was an antique barn. You see how it works? It's really interesting. I wonder, because to know that this, that this philosophical problem exists, you have to employ knowledge. I'm wondering, how can we, we, we be certain that the Gettier problem... Well, the important thing to remember is that the Gettier problem doesn't destroy the whole concept of knowledge. It just right. pokes a, a little hole in this sturdy definition of justified true belief. Because just because you can reasonably justify a true belief doesn't necessarily mean that your justification doesn't have a problem. I see. And well, it's really, it's more just the definition that everybody was very secure in for an extremely long time, basically mm -hmm. for the whole length of what we call Western civilization. And then all of a sudden they have to try to come up with a, a new definition of knowledge, which so far no one's really done. Hmm. Um, the, what they like to do is try to poke holes in the Gettier problem itself. And when people come up with different cases to illustrate this point they're called gettier cases mm -hmm. um but it's kind of like the trolley problem in like yeah you can illustrate it in a bunch of different ways but you're just having fun you're not really adding anything to the basic idea right right but um you know so, so this is gonna be a fun one to tie together i think oh totally because that that idea of assumptions is mm -hmm. so key to True Detective, I think. Right, and the whole plot hinges on the fact that they assumed they had it right, 
that they knew who the killer was back in 1995 and that they were wrong and so had to revisit it because they owed a debt to society to catch the actual killer. But, of course, the difference with uh, the Gettier problem is that your assumption is right, but... Well, and, and in, a, in a way, their assumption was right, because the the two that they killed in 95 were actually disciples of the main killer. So they were very well connected to everything that was going on. Right, and they themselves, for all we know, could have been killers. Mm-hmm. So No, they it's... were. They were definitely killers. The, the little boy and little girl found on their property, the little boy was dead and the little girl wasn't far off. Ah, there you go. See, I only ever watched True Detective the once and it was hmm. shortly after it first came out. I really should watch it again. Yeah, I just uh, rewatched it, which is why it's it's in my notes this week. Plus, yeah. you know, Rust, Rust Cole, he has a really, a really specific view of the world and human humanity's place in it and the 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 philosophy that he spews all tends to support that view and he could very well be right but i don't know that he has any reason to be that certain by contrast i think marty hart well see the problem with marty hart is he's wrong about just about everything so well and the the thing about russ cole too is that his view i think by the very end has shifted i mean he's he's not the same nihilist he was at the start of the story well i mean yeah based on that the very last line of dialogue i don't know how you could interpret that any differently than he is not quite quite as nihilistic as he had been which by the way was actually lifted from a comic book i can't remember which one Oh, really? Um, yeah, I've seen the panel of, of the comic book, and it is straight stolen. Wow. So that's a little bit of a bummer. Yeah. But, um, I, yeah, I feel like there is there are definitely moments in the show where they are right mm-hmm. for good reasons that turn out to be incorrect. Right. Well, I mean, even Rustin Cole when they first arrive at the murder scene, he starts running with theories based on knowledge, which was stuff he had gained, not necessarily as a homicide detective, but just basically through books. And he's actually criticized by Marty for running off with this theory. And I don't know that Marty's wrong to criticize him for that. Even though he does ultimately prove right, he might not have been right. And he could be right for the wrong reasons. Right. Or wrong. As it were. We don't. We can't know. We cannot know. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I, I feel like maybe that's that's part of uh, of Russ' philosophy too. Is that he does feel like there's not any certainty in the world, mm-hmm. except of course for Doom, which I think we both agree that Doom is a certainty. I don't know that Oblivion is a necessary component of that Doom, but I certainly agree with that statement. The Doom is is a certainty that would have been a better uh, name for this podcast than person in person better for the seo you think doom is a certainty well i don't know it's a little long for a title well at some point we might rebrand but uh we got yeah. some stuff to figure out before we <laughs> do that as uh, as hard as it is to get anybody to find us with our name though i have grown attached to it 
Yeah, same. So same. it's hard. I'm thinking of recutting a new trailer based on some of our uh, funnier moments. That's not a bad idea. I'll probably take that on some other time. Not not this weekend, certainly. Yeah. I'm going to be going camping this weekend, everyone. So, yay. Yay. I am not going to be going camping. I'm going to be working as I have been for a very, very long time. I long for death. All right. Well, you know, I think we've done a good enough job of tying these two things together. I don't know that we need to belabor any of this any longer. Yeah, you kind of get it. I mean, it's about uncertainty and reasons and blah, blah, blah. Uh, I will say, though, I did want to say this. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was writing up my notes about uh, Gettier cases, if you are the kind of person who, because you've never been exposed to philosophy, you think that philosophy is really abstruse or boring, you should uh, just dive into whatever questions interest you in your life, and you will actually find probably a lot of fun, easy to understand, engaging writing on the subject. Yeah, um, there's a lot of writers who really really play around with philosophical ideas and not all of the reading is quite as heavy and daunting as you might think no in fact if you want to have a good time just considering a bunch of uh philosophical questions that everybody kind of thinks about something that's written in a really straightforward uh interesting way um, there's a book that i just reread this last week. Uh, It's by a philosopher named Thomas Nagel. It's called Mortal Questions. And it's uh, a collection of essays that he had done over the years. They're all super fun. um, And uh, it's kind of a greatest hits of of, uh, everything that he's written. So that's a good way. I think I've read this book. It's the one where you open to the first page and it says, mortal? And then you open to the second question, uh, second page and it's mortal? And then the third one is mortal yes it is a super quick read because it does just have that one word on each page with a question mark yes yes Mm -hmm. so go to town can't recommend it enough all right let's move on to breaking news the city of toronto has come together to save dora a tortoiseshell kitten born without a butthole Now, miraculously, this kitten had survived eight weeks without being able to poop, but she was in pretty rough shape, as you can imagine, when she arrived at Annex Cat Rescue and in need of expensive surgery and aftercare. Hmm. They raised $10,000 on a $6,500 target, which sounds like a happy ending, but it is still touch and go for little Dora, who needs more surgery and care. Plus, all that money they raised is in Canadian dollars, which means it's basically worthless. Mm-hmm. You can get updates on Dora's condition and make donations uh, at the Annex Cat Rescue website, uh, which we will be putting the link in the show notes for. Absolutely. Yep. Now, but the reason this caught my eye, though, is the thought of having to go two months without a butthole. Now, mm. humans get this condition, too. It's called imperforate anus, and it in- occurs in about one of every 5,000 births. But in humans, of course... It's caught in a day or two, if not immediately, and then corrected. But my question to you, my fully grown listeners, hopefully, I don't know, kids shouldn't listen to this show. Definitely not. (laughs) Um, If your butthole disappeared today and didn't reappear for two months, what would you do? How would you survive? This is what I've been thinking about 
for all week. You know, if my butthole just suddenly disappeared, I don't think I'd give a shit. I don't know if I want to punch you or give you a medal. (laughs) That's really good. Like, I'm mad, so I'm not going to laugh, but that's really good. Yeah, well. (laughs) (laughs) All right, on to my breaking news story. Researchers at the University of Edinburgh in Scotland have discovered a novel use for recycled plastic bottles, turning them into vanilla flavor. Plastic, as it turns out, has all the right stuff to become vanillin, a sweet-smelling compound that is used to make synthetic vanilla. Vanillin is already used as a foodstuff, often derived from a number of less-than-appetizing sources, including coal tar, wood pulp, and cow manure. So this isn't that far of a remove. The scientists use a special strain of the E. coli bacteria that breaks down the plastic, transforming it into the valuable molecule for vanillin. These sorts of ideas have been floated for years, but this one has a 79% success rate, and that's pretty remarkable. Now, plastic is kind of awful, and it's in everything, but I want to be clear, there is no plastic in the vanilla. It has been changed. That's what chemistry is. Now, I'm not sure about this one, Gene. I think this might be a food crime. Oh, you think so? I don't think so. I think if you're changing the chemical composition of something... You're, you're probably okay. Yeah, like, that's it, true. I mean, it's all just molecules. Right, right. It's not, it is not, the substance that it was before does not mean that the substance it becomes is inedible. Like, it's not like they're taking the plastic and flavoring it vanilla. Because <laughs> that, I would be on board as a food crime. But they're they're fundamentally changing the substance of what it is. The building blocks that make it plastic are completely broken apart and it is turned into something else. Yeah, I mean, when they grind up the dinosaurs to make the plastic to begin with. Right. It's, you know, it's not like they're still dinosaurs, we hope. Right. Or, you know, if you uh, if you break apart a water molecule and it becomes, you know, oxygen and hydrogen... Those two gases are not water. This is my point. So just, I've been trying to stay hydrated by just huffing hydrogen and oxygen. You're saying that that doesn't work. Yeah, that's, come on, Greg. That actually explains some things because I'm thirsty as hell. (laughs) Right. You should drink some water. I haven't had actual liquid water in two days because I was at the gas shop and I thought, Mm -hmm. well, this will be easy. I fucked up. (laughs) All right, uh, let's move on to sports. All right, folks, I want to tell you about Pala. Now, Pala is an ancient forerunner of tennis that is still played in just six villages in Tuscany. It's played pretty much like tennis, except the court is drawn on the street in chalk. There are no nets or rackets, so you just hit the ball with your hand. And everything Mm -hmm. on the street that is within the boundaries of the court is considered in play. Wow. Yes. And this is even extends to people. So if you hit a dog walker and get a bad bounce, you better dive for that ball. Wow. Yes. And they, well, they only play at specific times of year uh, in the spring and summer, probably for that reason. Yeah, because yeah. people are not trying to walk in the middle of a Pala game. But play can only be suspended for oncoming traffic. So there is one concession to sanity. 
<laughs> now this actually illustrates something that I say all the time. Modern sports are too tame, too commodified, and they need to go back to their primitive roots, messy and slightly stupid, instead of mm -hmm. trying to innovate. Because every sport, there's a life cycle to sports. Every sport starts with a guy saying, hold my beer. He does something dumb. And then another guy says, I can do that. And then suddenly they're competing to do that. Mm -hmm. And then it matures and they come up with rules. And then there's teams and then there's leagues and then there's owners. And then there's FIFA. FIFA right. is just the final decadent, depraved end of every sport. Or, so, you know, in the news this week, UFA. Oh, what is that? I haven't heard about that. That is the uh, the European uh, wing of FIFA, and they're oh, uh, see. they're refusing to fly rainbow colors. Oh, shitty! Yeah, yeah, claiming that they uh, they believe sports should be separate from politics because <laughs> that that's worked exactly never. <laughs> sports are absolutely intertwined with politics. Well, and as a general rule, any anybody who says keep politics out of my blank can shut yeah. the fuck up. Oh, absolutely. It's not like it's not like everyone who plays the sport has one view or is one orientation or even you know, one race. There uh, sports and politics will always go hand in hand. If sports are part of society and they are, mm -hmm. then yes, there's going to be politics in sports. Suck it yeah. up. Yeah. All right. Um, are we moving on to emotional weather? Let's do. Okay. This week's emotional weather is soapy-eyed, full of moist, and giggle-mugged. I do want to say up top, I hate all of these. Yeah. <laughs> we went full-blown archaic this week on the emotional weather. Uh, my soapy-eyed story. In Nashville, Tennessee, Natasha Nansel was struggling to drive while intoxicated and while checking her cell phone, put her car into a ditch. So she called her buddy, Melvin Arndt, to help, and he showed up as soon as he could, unfortunately also hitting her vehicle in the process. Why? Because he was drunk too. Police reported that both drivers tested more than double the legal limit, though only admitting to having two drinks each. One can only assume the two were planning on calling a third drunken friend when the police arrived. I would have let this play out. Yeah. <laughs> you could have just trawled for drunks all night long. Right, right. How, how big does the chain reaction get? It's always two beers. Have you noticed that? These oh, I have. Yeah. It's always two beers. And I don't know why it's always two. It's like, well, obviously they're not going to believe I wasn't drinking. I fucking reek. <laughs> and I've never heard of anyone only drinking one beer. So I'm going <laughs> to say that I only drank two beers which is fine. Mm -hmm. Now, for my soapy-eyed story, soapy-eyed means drunk, by the way. Oh, yeah. And this, yeah. this Victorian steampunk-ass emotional weather was not my idea. <laughs> A woman in Ohio attacked McDonald's employees at around 9.30 in the morning because they wouldn't mix the flavors in her slushie. Now, frankly, I feel the pain of everybody involved here because why wouldn't you mix the flavors in her slushy? What does it cost you? Are you going to get fired for mixing up cherry and Coca-Cola flavor? But 
you don't get to attack people over a slushie. And if you're trying to get a slushie at 9.30 in the morning, you're still drunk from the night before, and you need to check yourself. Right. All right, moving on. Full of moist. Fuck. Which means hot, and not in the sexy sense, but in the, you know, it is warm sense. Texas, home of an experiment in the libertarian ideal of privatized and deregulated electric power, was hit hard last winter, and by the looks of things is not having a great summer. ERCOT, the Electrical Reliability Council of Texas, has said that its supply is low due to increased demand and is asking Texas residents to please set your thermostats to 78 degrees or higher to prevent issues with the grid which is not connected to supplemental power from the other grids in the nation, unlike every state that isn't Texas. After I wrote this note, it turned out they are, if anyone has like a smart thermostat installed, they are remotely adjusting those thermostats to 78 degrees. This is exactly what I said would happen with all this Internet of Things bullshit. <laughs> it's so funny to me. I tell you what, if anybody came in here and tried to turn my thermostat to 78 degrees, I would literally shoot to kill. That is not a joke. Oh, oh same. I'm a dad. That's what we do. Now, I want to tell you about my full of moist. That is the worst idiom I've ever heard in any language. I have spoken maybe 20 languages in my life, and that is the worst phrase I've ever heard. Anyway, I guess you could say it's full of moist out here, except it's the opposite. It's very hot and dry. So fire season has already begun in my neck of the woods. If you don't live on the West Coast, it is now an annual tradition that the entire West Coast will burn to the ground. Every fucking stick of timber, every single flammable object will burn for like, what, six months? Yeah, yeah. So... Last year, I had to evacuate my home, and a lot of people in my community never got the chance. So I'm not looking forward to this year, because it's going to be worse. Yeah, last year I actually had to evacuate my home as well. Yeah, there's uh, there's still a wildfire going about 30 miles from here. Uh, it's headed in the opposite direction from me, but it really is only a matter of time before one starts right down the road. Yeah, we had one down the road not too long ago. Um, I think it was two days ago. They had it contained really quickly. They're really jumping on things. Uh, we had a massive thunderstorm too, so that never helps. All right, moving on to Giggle Mugged. Giggle Mugged means always smiling. Canon China has installed cameras in one of its offices that run a specialized AI. You see, it will only let employees into the office if they are smiling. And the AI is designed to ensure exactly that. It's all a part of a trend in modern business to increase the productivity of workers who work with machines instead of the machines themselves. It's exploitative, it's a gross invasion of privacy, and no doubt it will be coming to an office near you in the future. Yeah, this is the worst shit I've heard all week. <laughs> well, on a lighter note, when I need to shift my mood, I turn to music, uh, which is often something reminiscent of the stuff I listened to as a teenager, because although being a teenager feels like shit, what you realize later is that you'll never feel that good again. To that point, I'd like to recommend Diarrhea Planet. They're a garage punk band from Nashville, and listening to them makes me feel like I'm in a shitty old car smoking menthols and rifling my pockets for enough change to buy Taco Bell. Which is to say, like a goddamn king. Yeah. I would 
recommend starting with their song Ghost with a Boner. It is a personal favorite. Yeah, I uh, you mentioned this band to me earlier this week, and I was like, I, I know this band. I was uh, kind of surprised because you're you're really good at finding stuff that I have never heard of, and uh, Diarrhea Planet. It's a good band, and it really does remind me of those those sort of bands that straddled the the alternative punk line in the '90s that were really yeah. good. Like it's it's the worst name for the the best band, really, because right. Right. their music is generally pretty upbeat it's got a lot of like open chords it's very very chill Mm -hmm. i I recommend it's fun it's just fun and you should listen to it it'll make you happy well as you know every week our investigative team uncovers a detailed and harrowing story on food crime this week greg person has the story folks i have a simple question for you where the fuck is my mcplant since finally embracing the plant-based life i've been eating better than ever before feeling better than I have in years, and frankly, I am sick of it. Now, there are a lot of fast food places that do have meat substitutes, so I can still wreck my body with salt, fat, and sugar while keeping it cruelty-free to anyone but myself. But where's the big cheese of bad choices? Where's the Mac Daddy of malnutrition? They promised us the McPlant. Uh, You might remember we even covered it back on the show. I believe that was one of your stories, Gene. It was, Uh, yeah back at the early part of the year, but the most recent news about it is from that same period. It's from February and a search of their own press releases on the McDonald's website doesn't turn up anything. Now McDonald's, I I still contend that it's not the best name, but no, it's the worst name. It's literally (laughs) the worst. They could have called it any positive food adjective in the English language and been golden. Mm -hmm. They could have called it the McGolden. That doesn't make any sense at all, but it's better than the McPlant. Right. Now, McDonald's has a long history of outright throwing shade at vegetarians. Uh, So I don't know if they just abandoned the idea, but if not, I need someone to tell me when I can fuck myself up at the Golden Arches because I miss my love handles and my sodium bloat. Yeah. So if you guys have any information, hit me up. Um, I want to scarf a McPlant Big Mac pretty damn bad. Yeah, same, actually. That sounds delicious. All right, let's move on to the Podcast Shopping Network. Okay, so last week we touched on greatness in the Podcast Shopping Network, and this week I can guarantee we will get absolutely nowhere near greatness. Do you have a dog? Do you ever take your dog for a walk? Are you tired of picking up your dog's poop every time you go out? Well, there is a solution, and your answer to whether or not it's a good idea will give me a tremendously good sense of whether or not you should have a dog in the first place. The product's name is Poo Trap, and it's an apparatus that places a collection bag right over your pooch's butthole. The Poo Trap harness connects to your dog's collar, and the bag at the back detaches once your little friend has done their business, making it easy to dispose of. The inventors of Poo Trap argue this is no different than baby diapering, and it saves you the hassle of having to clean poop. And yeah, I guess, if you don't count the hassle you're going to add by having to wrestle your dog to get this really complicated harness on them in the first place, which not long after will no doubt be preceded by a race around the house as soon as they see the thing, 
Here's the other thing. The product doesn't prevent you from having to handle a bag of dog poop. It doesn't prevent you from having to bend over. It really only removes one minor stage from the poop cleanup process, the part where the poop is on the ground. It's designed to create as much detachment between the human and the poop as possible. Are we really that scared of poop? Yeah, it's not my favorite thing. But if it bothers you that much, maybe you shouldn't own a pet to begin with. I'd suggest getting a cat, but you still have to clean the litter box, and that involves dealing with poop. Maybe if you're so scared of poop, you don't wipe your own butt when you're done with your business. Maybe if you're that scared, you should swap places with Dora the Kitty and see how you'll cope with it. Better yet, let's throw a complicated harness on you and fix a bag to your ass. You'll waste less water, you'll touch nary a poop, and you'll get a taste of what these poor dogs have to deal with. The poop trap retails for between $30 and $40, depending on the size of the dog. And if you buy it, you're a terrible person. Now, as you know, I hate this product. Yeah, so do I. What exactly is the point of of this other than to humiliate your dog and make them uncomfortable because they're not used to having a a bag affixed to their butt? Right. So I guess the point is that it prevents you from having to bend over an additional 6 to 12 inches. It's so stupid. Well, you know, at that point, you may as well just teach your dog to use the toilet. Right. There's even like video courses that you can take to learn how to teach a dog to use the toilet. I just, I I don't see the need for this product. I think it's horrible. Dogs definitely don't like it. And I, I think it could be bad for your dog's anal hygiene too. Oh, that's a good point. It may be. Because then they got the poop riding close to their butt. Right. So I think you're going to have a dirtier dog. It's going to be a bigger pain in the ass than just bending over to pick up some poop with a plastic bag. Right. It's, it's, it's just, it's, it is a pointless product, uh, purchased by pointless people. You know, these people, maybe they're the ones that have the bidets in this country. Maybe that's why they're so scared to touch poop because they have bidets. Maybe, maybe. All right. I, I think we've dedicated enough time to this. Yeah. We talked about poop a lot. All right. Let's move on to the state up segment this week. The proud state of Louisiana. Now, Louisiana hosts not one, but two popular sexy vampire franchises, which is so specific, it makes me wonder what the heck is going on. Louisiana used to be a somewhat rectangular state, but it was bent in half by Texas after a dispute over a poker game. Hasn't been the same since. According to Louisiana law, if you don't end negotiations by proclaiming, I guarantee, the contract is void. In Louisiana, counties are called parishes, snow cones are called snowballs, and heavy drinking is called culture. Everyone in Louisiana has one friend named Gator. It's the same guy, and he's great. Aeoli Anus is a Louisianagram. Our final segment tonight, as every week, is Person to Person and Person, where we share your valuable feedback with our audience. Last week, Richie asked us to write a haiku about sitcoms, and hopefully, we don't disappoint. I humbly submit. Person in Person is recorded in front of a live audience. And a limerick. There once was a fellow named Sam who longed for a kiss from Diane. They served up some beers in a bar they called Cheers and hooked up now and then for the fans. That's so good. I was delighted when you shared that with me the other day. Yeah. 
Now for my haiku, Richie, here you go. Fat guy and hot wife. She tolerates his antics. The American dream. And my sitcom limerick. There once was a fella named Ricky, whose red-headed wife was quite tricky. She followed her dreams, hatched hilarious schemes, and did antics both charming and shticky. Delightful. We're keeping it classic. Do you have any topics you'd like us to write a haiku about? Send them our way. We'd love to get into it with you. Folks, that's all the show we have for you tonight. We love your feedback, and there are several ways to give it to us. Send us an email, personandpersonshow at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter, at AnchorPersons, and check out our website, personandpersonshow.com. Until next time, this is Gene Person saying, you should always end a comedy set with a callback. And this is Greg Person saying, full of moist. Good night. Okay, delightful. Concern it. It is full of moist. Care to wet your whistle? Let's get soapy-eyed and flub the dub. Hey, what's with the giggle mug? You close that sauce box or you're going to catch the mouse.